praise, the honor, and the glory this morning because you are worthy, Lord. You're the reason we're here. Father, we know the time is coming soon that you're coming back for those that belong to you. And Lord, we pray for those who don't, that they would sense the urgency to reach out to you and trust you, Lord. Even so, come. All of creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinner, wake up the saint. We. Yeah. Yeah. 
your spirit, Lord, while we wait. So we wait, we wait for you. God, we wait your coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church.
supply. Let's sing that one more time. Lord, feed us. Lord, feed your children as we tells us that if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And Father, we just thank you today for your presence here. You are here in this place because we are here in this place. We have gathered in your name. You are there among us. And we thank you for your presence. Father, I just pray that you will bless the service today. Open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us by your spirit today. You have something important to say to us. Everything you say is important. You never speak unimportant things. And so as we listen to what you have to say to us through your word, May you open our hearts and minds to hear. And may your word go deep into our spirit so that we will be doers of your word and not hearers only. We pray, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Please be seated for just a moment. Um, ushers, you can be seated as well. Just find a place. Can I have the light, please? Um, a couple things that uh, we want to we pray about before we pray for the offering. And um, I, I didn't think that we were going to be able to do this, but um, um, we are going to be able to do it because um, Kathy? Yes, you, Kathy. Um, this is Kathy's last Sunday with us. Um, she's getting out of the center on s Christmas Eve night. Um, at, I guess at midnight, right, is when you... No, 9.30 in the morning. 9.30 in the morning, okay. She's going to go be with her family, and where is that? Sebastian. Sebastian on the East Coast, all right. So this will be her last Sunday with us t today. And um, she just just come faithfully. And uh, she's been at our services Saturday night for once a month when we go up there. And uh, stop it. <laughs> and it's just been good to have you. It's good to be able to, uh, uh, we just, she's been faithful to come to, she was here at the fall festival all day long and, and working. And um, she was here at this, the breakfast with Santa and, and all, just, um, just has come and just been a, um, she's been a part of us, and uh, 
So we want to pray for her today um, as, she, as she leaves the center, she goes back to her family, and um, she told me, and I'm going I'm to hold her to it, I don't know how quickly it'll happen, but she said, I want to bring my husband back over to, to visit this church. So we'll look forward to that day, but in the meantime, uh, if you're close to her, we're just, and if you want to, we just gather around her, for those of you who, I know Gina, you're going to want to come back here and put your hands on her, and we're just going to, um, we're just going to pray um, that the Lord will just uh, uh, guide her and direct her, and uh, um, as she's reunited with her family, and uh, And then, and then as soon as I'm finished praying for Kathy, uh, this is Kathy Wilmoth, uh, as soon as I'm done praying for Kathy Wilmoth, then I'm gonna, we're going to lay hands on Kathy Gardner because her uncle, Jerry, just went in for uh, triple bypass surgery. And so we're going to pray for him. We'll just lay our hands on Kathy and do that. But we're going to, uh, this Kathy first. All right, Father, we come to you and um, this is one of those moments where um, our nearly five years of being involved in the, the center, uh, this is one of those moments we realize that it's paid off. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity for that ministry. And we just want to pray for Kathy now. I know that she's excited and anxious and looking forward to Saturday um, to be re reunited with her family, to be to be out and free and and so Lord along with that freedom comes a, a great amount of responsibility the Apostle Paul said to us um, Christ has set you free but don't use that freedom to gratify your own desires and so we just pray that as Kathy enters into this freedom that, Father, your Holy Spirit will just so abide in her and she in you that the presence of your Spirit in her will be so visible to those around her. And, Lord, that as she continues to walk with you and to give her heart and her life to you each and every day, that you will use her just as you did in, in the center and just as you did here in this church, that you will use her to expand your kingdom. We will miss seeing her. But you move your people around to areas and places where they can be most used effectively for the kingdom of God. And I believe that where she's going, you will be able to use her effectively for the kingdom of God. Your kingdom will be expanded. And we will rejoice that we've had a small part in that. We pray for her as she goes. Give her traveling mercies and give her grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Father, we, as we lay hands on Kathy and we do this in proxy for her, Uncle Jerry, Lord, we just thank you for surgeons and doctors who are able to do incredible things and understand the human body. And we just pray, Father, that by your grace you will guide the surgeon's hands to do everything everything that needs to be done and father i just pray that uncle jerry will get strengthened and he will he will heal quickly and completely in every way and you will raise him up for your honor and for your glory in jesus
Father, as we as we prepare to take the offering, we just ask for your blessing upon the offering. Bless our tithes, offerings, and gifts. Give us wisdom to use it in a way that will expand your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Where's Malcolm? Where's Malcolm? Let's see if we can find Malcolm and then we'll get started. Well, today's the fourth Sunday in Advent. And uh, we light the fourth candle. And the fourth candle, there he is. Come on, Malcolm. We can't have Advent without you. As a matter of fact, this is Malcolm's Advent. Now, Malcolm is coming, right? This is the second, ad- this is the second Advent of Malcolm. He came last week. And now- you doing okay, buddy? All right. We light the fourth candle today, and, and the fourth Sunday of Advent, it's also known as the, the Bethlehem candle. The Bethlehem candle. Now, I want to ask you guys a question. Do you know where you were born? Zach, where were you born? Uh, Sarasota Memorial. Sarasota Memorial? Okay. How about you, Jake? Lakewood Ranch Hospital. Well, you just want to step up, didn't you? Okay. All right. How about you, Malcolm? Where were you born? I had to ask your grandmother or your mom. Were you born in a barn? No. Oh. Okay, but, but you were born, weren't you? Yeah. Okay. How about you, Luke? Where were you born? It's Sarasota Hospital, yes, it's true. I remember going to visit you there. Do you know where you were born? Like in Venice? Okay, all right, like in Venice, okay. All right, well, is it important? Is it important that you know where you were born? Is it important that you know where you were born? Isn't it 
just kind of more important to know that you were born, right? Okay. But you know what? It, it, it was really important that, that we know where Jesus was born. Okay? And the reason that that's important is this. Larry, turn your clicker on and then it will work a lot better. Okay. Micah. Micah was a prophet. Did you ever hear of Micah? No? Well, Michael was a prophet that was, he was a prophet like 700 years before Jesus was born. Okay? 700 years. And he made this prophecy, and it said, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So, it was prophesied, that Jesus, the, the, the coming ruler over Israel, would be born in Bethlehem. Now, is that a big deal? No, it's not a big deal that he was, whether he was born in Bethlehem. The big deal is, the big deal is, is that Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth. So, like, you were born in Sarasota Memorial Hospital, you were born in Lake Ridge Ranch, and Mount Memorial, I think you were born in Sarasota Memorial as well, um, and you were born in Sarasota Memorial. And so, that's make, that makes sense. Why does that make sense to you that you were born at Sarasota Memorial Hospital? Why does that make sense? Because our parents told us. Because your parents told you? Isn't it more important the fact that you lived in Sarasota? I mean, you lived in Sarasota. Your mom didn't go to Jacksonville to have the baby. Are you still with me on this? You see, Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. They didn't live in Bethlehem. But the Bible said that Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So... We got to get Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem before the baby's born. Because if the baby's born anywhere else, then that prophecy couldn't be true, right? Well, Nazareth is, if you flew in an airplane in a straight line, it's like 70 miles. Okay? It's like from here to north of Tampa. If you walk it, it could, with all the curves in the road and, you know, and everything like around mountains and things like that, it could be like 90 miles, which is almost like going to Tampa and back. Now, a lot of people think that Mary rode on donkey. More than likely, she didn't. More than likely, she walked, when Joseph did too. Now, just think about that for a minute. You remember, you remember just a few months ago, um, Angie was walking around here. Remember, you know my daughter Angie. Okay, you remember Angie? Okay, she's pregnant with the twins. Now, come here. Come on, come on. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Follow me. Now. 
If I walk as fast as I can, okay, if I walk at a, as fast as I can, and we're going to do that, we're going to make a trip around here, and we're going to walk as fast as I can. You follow me, okay? Don't run ahead of me, okay? This isn't a race. I'm trying to make a point here, okay? Okay, let's go. You ready? Come on. We're going to walk as fast as I can. Come on. Keep up. Keep up. Come on. Why are you running? You're supposed to be walking really fast. Okay. I walk this fast, and I know from doing this on a treadmill that if I walk as fast as I can like this, I'm doing about four miles an hour. Okay? If I run, it's maybe five miles an hour. Okay? Now, if I run, if we walked that fast, do you think you could walk that fast for eight hours? No. No. But if you could walk that fast for eight hours, you would only walk 32 miles. Am I boring you? You could, <laughs> we need to make another walk around there. Uh, if, if you could only walk 32 miles, so that means if you're going to walk 90 miles, it would take you three days at eight hours a day walking that fast to get 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, you got a pregnant lady with you. So the chances are you're not walking that fast. You're probably, well, it's kind of more of a waddle, okay? And, 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 if you're, and you're walking slow. So maybe you're doing two miles an hour. So if you're doing two miles an hour and you walk even eight hours a day, that's 16 miles a day. That means it's going to take you like six days. Six days of walking to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Do you see how, do you see how that was? So what did, what did God do? Well, this is what God did. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line or the ancestry of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Do you think that was just an accident? No, God doesn't do anything by accident. He got Mary and Joseph there at the right time so that Mary could give birth to Jesus in Bethlehem because the Bible said that that's where he needed to be born. So she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so we light the fourth candle, which is the candle of Bethlehem, the Bethlehem candle, because there, was a, there is a physical place, there is a real place, where Jesus was really born, born of Mary, born so that he could become the Savior of the world. And so we light 
the Bethlehem candle. Is it important where you were born? Not so much. But it was important where Jesus was born. Okay? Thanks, guys. Oh, my. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together today. Open our hearts and minds to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, we are in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, but we're going to pick up the last two verses of chapter 3 just to bring our thought process back into place. We, in chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul begins and says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now that would almost seem to us to be a contradiction in terms. Here's Paul who is in prison. He's, he's writing this letter from prison. And he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. It would, it would almost seem that you could respond to Paul and say, Paul, if you were living a life that was worthy, why are you in prison? Just on face value. But the truth of the matter is, is that it was because Paul was living a life that was worthy of his calling that he was in prison. He was, he was living his life according to the, to, the, to the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And because he was doing that, because he had, dis, he had made the decision, this, this life-altering decision, that he would follow Christ no matter what, that he would live for Christ no matter what, that he would preach the gospel no matter what, that he would speak the truth no matter what, he ended up in prison. He didn't, in, he didn't deserve to be in prison for that, but he was nevertheless in prison for it because people didn't like what he had to say. They didn't like the truth that he spoke. And so Paul says to the Ephesian people, as a prisoner of the Lord, for the Lord, as a prisoner for the Lord, or as a prisoner because of the Lord, then I'm urging you, I urge you to live your life, live a life that is worthy of the calling that you've received. Now, back this past summer, we talked about the high calling of God, the high calling of God, and what it means to live a life that's worthy of the calling we've received. But he goes on from there and he says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, there is a... He's calling for us to be unified. He's calling for the body of Christ to be unified. What is the number one deterrent or the number one enemy of unity? That, that, that's, well, division is the opposite of unity. What is the number one enemy of unity? I'm, I'm asking you that question. You're, you're, you're allowed to call out answers. You may not be right, but you can call them out. Pride. Pride, exactly. Pride is the number one enemy of unity. When, when you get a group of people together, and, and someone decides that what they have to say, or what their idea is, or, or, or whatever, is more important than what anyone else has to say, or what anyone else's ideas are, then, then pride rises up, and there's, you, when you have pride, you cannot have unity. You cannot have two people who think they have to have their own way, will that, well, they will get along. It, it, it can't happen. It can only happen, and here's what Paul's saying. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, I realize that there are people in this world that in order to love them, you really have to, you have to really bear with them. And, but yet, Paul talks here and he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort. That, that requires us make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, I want, this, this, next, this next verse is just something that we just have to let, we just have to let this burn in us. Now, I know that you know that this is true, but it's another thing to live by it. Listen to what it says. There is one body. There is one body. Which body is that? The body of Christ. There is one body and one spirit. There is one body and there is one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, if we are going to keep the unity of the Spirit, we are going to have to realize, we are going to have to let the truth of this verse find its way deep into our spirit. There is one body. Now, we, we, when it, we talk about the universal church of, of Christ, the universal body of Christ, we, we, you, we can use the word Catholic with a small c. 
the word Catholic, the Catholic Church is not the Roman Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church is the universal Church of Christ, the, the, the church that makes up the body of Christ, the, that church of true believers all over the world, from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, that Revelation talks about is one day going to stand before Him. That, that one church, that makes up one body of Christ. We, are, we here at Community Bible Church, we are not the body of Christ. We are part of the body of Christ. There are other churches. We, we may not agree with them completely on doctrine. We may not agree, or I should say, we may not practice the same methods and things that they do. We may not necessarily agree on some minor nuance of doctrine that they may subscribe to. But we are one body. And we need to begin to treat one another as we, oh, we are one body. Because there's one body and there's one spirit. Hello? There's only one spirit. If you go out near the end of the street, at the Christian school, there are two churches that meet out there at the school. You come in a little ways, and you have the Baptist church that's next to us. Then you have us. Then you have a Mennonite church. Then you go in a little bit further, and there's an Amish church. You go a little bit further in, and there's a Presbyterian church. And you go, you know, and, and you go around this town, and there are, there's the true believers in each one of those buildings are a part of this one body and we all have one spirit we don't have a different holy spirit than they do they don't have a different holy spirit than we do there is one body and there was one spirit just as we were called to one hope we have one hope that hope is christ jesus that hope is that we are going to have we are going to live with him eternally. That because he has forgiven us of our sins, we are going to live with him forever. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. Paul is calling for us to be unified. Call it, Paul is calling for us. that We need to begin to talk about the things that we have in common rather than the things that we don't have in common. If all we do is dwell on what is different about us, then we will always have differences. I, have, I had a friend who, a um, long time ago, we worked together. This was back in the, in the 80s. We worked together. And he came from a different denomination than, than, than what I did. He was more leaning toward the, um, the, the charismatic or the Pentecostal uh, way of worship. And yet we worked together. 
And you know what we decided to do? It wasn't that I disagreed with, with his way of worship. It just wasn't the way I did. But you know what we decided to do? We decided to only talk about the things that we agreed on. And you know what that did? That brought us together. That gave us unity. Now, is that to say that if we talk about the things that we don't agree with, that we will create disunity? No, not as long as we are bearing, as long as we forbear with one another. Is what it said here. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Should you and I be able to disagree and still love one another? Can we disagree and still be in unity? Yes, because our unification is around the person of Jesus Christ. Our unification is around the person, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. If we disagree, we can still love one another. And Paul's calling for that. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because you're my brother or my sister... We can love one another. We can get along even if we don't agree on every little thing. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now, and then it goes on to say, and what is it that he ascended? What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Now this is Paul just simply saying this. Christ ascended into heaven. And he, and he took captivity captive. But we can't say that he ascended unless we acknowledge that he first descended. You can't ascend unless you first descend. Does that make sense? You can't ascend unless you first descend. And he did. He descended to the lower earthly regions. What did he do? Well, we're just we're celebrating Christmas. What did Jesus do? The Bible says he left his earthly, his heavenly throne, and he took on the form of a man, and he condescended. He literally condescended from what he was to down to this earth, and he took on the form of a man. Can you imagine a God, the God of the universe, the God who created all things, condescending, literally laying aside his, his divinity. He lays aside his divinity, and he takes on the form of a man. This spirit takes on the form of a man and lives among unregenerated man for 30-some years. He does what he's supposed to do. He lives his life. He performs miracles so that people would look and, and know. He says, if you look at me, you know who the Father is. I'm the exact representation of the Father. People looked at and now it's time for him to go back. And when he ascended, he led captivity captive. It was, it was Jesus openly showing that he was the victor, that he was 
that he had done everything that the Father had told him to do. And he led captivity captive. It, 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 has, that, it has the connotation of an earthly king who, has, who wins a victory over another country. And he takes certain of those captive. And he, they put him up on an elevated chariot and he rides through the streets as this victorious king. And behind him, all those that he has defeated follow. Many of them are chained together. And they follow him through the streets in his, as he, if you will, he takes a victory lap. And they are, they are humiliated. They are defeated. He is the victorious king. And that's the picture that's drawn here of Christ ascending to heaven as the, as the final act before, before mankind that He was the victorious King, that He had defeated the enemy. And he, and he took those enemies and He openly showed that He had defeated everything that would, that would keep Him from ascending. That was God drawing Him back up to heaven because He had completed His work here on earth. It was a sign of victory. Now, why did He ascend? Well, the reason that He ascended, He said this, the reason I go back is so that I can send the Comforter. So that I can send the Holy Spirit. Now listen, He, he did this. What does He ascended mean except that He also descended to the lower earthly regions? That's living here. Can you help me out, Tim? Oh, sorry. Okay. He who, ascend, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Those are gifts. Okay? He gave gifts to men. It was some He gave the gift of being apostles. Some He gave the gift of being a prophet. Some He gave the gift of being an evangelist. Some He gave the gift of being a pastor or a teacher. Why? This is important. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now I want to say something to you right now. God has given different men gifts. He's given some the ability to be an apostle, some to be the ability to be an evangelist or a prophet or a pastor or teacher. Okay? Every time I see the word evangelist, I think of Brother Art. Brother Art's an evangelist, man. He's just an evangelist. Okay? He has that he has that gift. He has the desire. He has the, the personality. He has, the, um, he has the, the, the love for people. It's, it's a gift. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that, that no one else but somebody like Brother Art can lead someone to the Lord. That, that's you know, something that we all are able to do. But there are people that God gifts. And you can, you can sense the gift. 
Okay? You can sense when someone has that gift to be an evangelist or, or, or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher. Okay? And the purpose of that is to prepare God's people for works of service. To get God's people ready to do the works of service. Now, I'm going to say something here. If you are only depending on the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers in your life, if you are only depending on what, what they input into your life, then you will never arrive at this place until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's where God wants us to go. That's where He is leading us. This is why He gave people and put people in leadership. Why? Well, because He wants to prepare you for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. But as individuals, He wants until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Did you know that God's intention for you and for me is to become mature and to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what God has in mind for you and I. He, he doesn't, he, he wants us to be, have the fullness of Christ. Listen, then, if we, if we get to that point, that's where He wants us to go. He wants us to attain to that then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. I'll ask you a question. You have a little, you know, like I, I think there, there are a few young children that really have an idea of what they want to do when they grow up. But if you ask a child, what do you want to do when you grow up? Oftentimes, what they want to do will change from day to day, from week to week. It depends on, depends on what has impressed them during, during the week. The other day, um, I was working in, and uh, Lonnie dropped Luke off to at the job site with me just for about a half an hour. Just I was going to keep him and bring him home and and uh, and spend the evening. It was the night that the ladies had their Christmas party, and of course he had never been out on the job with me before, and uh, and so he was just asking all kinds of questions. What he wanted to come down and. He wanted to come down in the pool, and I kept telling him, no, you can't, you're going to hurt yourself. And he was walking around, and he was looking, and he was asking me all kinds of questions. He's, oh, Grandpa, can I help you do that? Can I help you do that? And I, 
I finally, I just gave in and I said, sure, come on, you know. So he came in and, and he helped me do just this little thing. And, uh, and uh, boy, he was just all excited about that. And, and then he looks at me and he goes, he goes, Papa, he goes, um, I've, been, I've been thinking about being a preacher like you. And he said, maybe, maybe I could work on swimming pools too and do both of them just like you do. That was pretty, I was, that was pretty cool, you know. Now, you know, if I ask him, if I ask him this afternoon, what, you know, what do you want to do? He might say, I want to be a baseball player. He might say, I want to be a, you know, I don't know. He may change his mind, but that's what it, that's what it means to be a child. You change your mind according to whatever the circumstances are that you're going through. And Paul says, that doesn't work. As a believer, that doesn't work when you're a Christian. You don't, when you're a mature Christian, do you think that Paul was, a, was a, a, an infant Christian when he made the decision that no matter what comes my way, I am going to walk and live a life that's worthy of my calling? even if it makes me that I have to spend time in prison for my faith. Man, that comes, that comes from somebody who has, who's dug his heels in and, and made, you know, he's made a decision. He said, this is, what, this is what I'm going to do. This is not an opinion. This is a conviction. This is not, this is not something that will be really nice if it works out. Man, it's going to work out. I'm going to... I'm going to make it work out no matter what comes my way. We, he was not like a child. He was a mature person who had the full measure of Christ because when it came time, you either stop doing this or you're going to jail. Lock me up because I am not changing my conviction about what is right and what is wrong and what is the right way to live and what is the wrong way to live, then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. I'm going to tell you, what: when you come to the point where you know what you believe and you say, I'm going to believe this and I'm going to follow this no matter what, you have reached a level of maturity that God is looking for in people who call themselves Christians. That's where you should be headed. I know. I've over the over the past 30 years of 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 being a pastor, I have I have watched people who who seem like they have set in and then something will come their way and you know, and I, I've, never, I've never seen such a fickle God in my whole life. If I believed what people said, I would believe that God was the most fickle person in the, in the universe. I had, I've had people walk in this church and come up to me after a service and look me in the eye and go, Pastor, i got to tell you, sitting here in this service... I want you to know, man, this is, God has 
called me to this church. Man, I am so excited. This is where God wants me to serve. Walk out that door and never see him again. Are you serious? What did you just say? What did you just feel? Is God that fickle that he told you he called you to this church and then the minute you walked out the door, God said, oh, just kidding. I was just goofing with you. I didn't really mean it. But we have people who believe one thing one moment and something else the other. That is an infant who's being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Oh, did you hear what this guy's saying? You turn on the... Just, just turn on the television. I don't know. I have, I have DirecTV. And the top 300s in the top 300s is where all the religious channels are. And most of them we have, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we have enabled on our, on our TV. And sometime I will, you know, I'll just go through and I'll just start, I'll just listen. Just for a few minutes, I'll listen and then flip to the next one and listen and flip to the next one and listen. And man, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to hear a... If you want to be blown about by every wind of teaching, you just... Well, I don't, I don't want you to do that because I don't want you to be blown about by every wind of teaching. But I, I got to tell you, there, there are some things on there and I just look at it. Are you in the same Bible that I'm in? But yet, people will just... Over here? That's really cool. Oh, no, I'm not into that again. Let's go over here. Oh, no, I don't like that so much. Oh, let's go over here. That's not, that's not walking with God. That's not, that's not being mature in the faith. Mature in the faith is picking that book up, reading it, saying, that's what it says, that's what I'm going to believe, and never changing your mind. Until the day you die and you go and face you know, go and face your maker, you know what you believe, and it's all based on what that book says. And you can't get all of that, and you can't get there just simply putting yourself under the teaching of someone for an hour or two a week. That comes from you picking the book up and you reading it and you allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That that adds to it. And that's how you get to be mature and full of the, of the fullness of Christ in your heart. And then somebody comes along and says, hey, guess what? You should hear this. You should hear this teaching. You turn, you flip that channel on, you hear somebody say something, and you go, whoa, wait a minute, that's not right. I was listening to, I was looking on Facebook the other day and there was, a, there was a group of people that had gone out and started asking people, you know, are you a Christian and, you know, why are you a Christian and, and all that. And, and almost everyone they asked said, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And, and then they started asking them other questions and you knew from their answers that they didn't understand what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. This is not a, this is not a part-time gig. This is a full-time, every day, all day long, 24 hours a day, every day. We walk with God, and we have the fullness of Christ in us. 
and we hear something that's false, we know it's false because we have the truth. We have the truth in us because we read the Word, and the Word is in us. The Word is in us. My wor- thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you, how do you not sin against God? Because you know what the Word says, and then you follow the Word. You don't listen to somebody say, say something false and go, well, that sounds really good. You know it's wrong right away because you have the truth in you. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's us. As each part does its work. That's what gets us to that point. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost his connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Okay, You lose connection with the head, you get get messed up. Back here, he said, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If you lose connection with the head, from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, you will end up, you will end up as a person who has his mind puffed up with idle notions. Do you see that? You have to stay connected to the head. Let us stay connected to the head. Let us know what we believe. Let us read the Word, and make a determination, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live. I'm going to live this way no matter what anyone else says. I'm going to live this way no matter what anyone threatens me with. I am going to live a life that is worthy of the calling that I've received. This high calling of God. No matter what it costs me, even if I should be a prisoner for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, I thank you for each person that's here. The fact that you have called them. The fact that you have put in their pathway those who have gifts to be able to prepare them for works of service because you want them to become mature. You want them to be filled with all the fullness of Christ. You you want them to be mature. You want them to not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine, but to be determined in what they believe.
based on your word. Thank you, Father, for preserving your word. We believe that your word is, that all of it is true. We believe that because of who you are, the power of your spirit, you have been able to preserve your word. And even though your spirit spoke to men and men wrote down those words, that one spirit who spoke to the writer of Genesis is the same spirit that wrote to the writer of Revelation and every book in between. And your word can be trusted. Your word is true. And Father, I pray that you will put into each of our hearts a desire to know your word better so that we will also be able to know what is false the moment it reaches our ears before it ever enters our heart. We will know that it is false because we know the truth. I pray, Lord, that you will put that desire in each and every heart that's here today. And then, Lord, I just want to thank you for the ministries of this church. And, Lord, we, we've already prayed and, and, and thanked you for allowing us to be involved at the Transitional Center and to be reminded once again that that is something that you led us into. And we continue to pray for the girls at the center. Um, we know, Lord, that there's, there have been some changes there. But I believe that your spirit is still at work. I believe your spirit is still calling to those girls. And we're continuing to pray that more and more will come to know Christ through the ministry of chaplain and through the ministry of, of the EE prison ministry there on Fridays and through our ministry there on, on, on Saturday, Lord. And we just thank you for that opportunity. Pray for our missionaries, Lord, for Chris. And thank you. She was able to be with us last week. Thank you for enlightening us on how we can better pray for, that, for her and for Silk and the group over there. We know that a lot of our brothers and sisters over there go through a lot of pressure from, uh, from the, their families. And, and many of us don't really know how to relate to that pressure. But, but it's very real to them, Lord. And we just, we pray for them and pray that you will keep them strong and help them to persevere, Father. We pray for Todd and Shelley as they determine how they are going to uh, serve you in the future, how, where your call is for them. We pray for your guidance and direction. We pray for Brother Art, and we thank you for the gift of evangelism that you've given him and how you have used him to take the gospel into to prisons around the world, and we just continue to pray for that ministry. And we thank you for Love Serves, and we, we just praise your name for the thousands and thousands of people that are coming to Christ in the Dominican Republic because of 
the coaching of pastors and churches that are changing from being inwardly focused to outwardly focused. And we just thank you, Father. And we thank you for our daycare and for the little lives, the young lives that are being touched every day. Thank you for our staff. Thank you for the leadership. Lord, we just, we just pray for each family that you will draw them close to you. And for the families that don't go anywhere to church or maybe aren't even believers, but yet they bring their children here. Help us, Lord, to reach outside the doors of this church and into those families' lives with the love of Jesus. And now, Lord, as we leave this place, Father, I just pray that we will be adequate ambassadors for your kingdom, that people will see Jesus in us as Christ lives his life through us. In Jesus' name, amen.